I mean, Wi-Fi, w- what is Wi-Fi, you know? It must be, what is you can't see Wi-Fi? it, you can't feel it, so it must be spiritual. Uh, I guess it's ghosts. It must be ghosts. <laughs> it must be ghosts. Okay, let's, let's dig in. Aries, the planets are all chill, so if anything bad happens this week, it's just because of who you are, like, as a person. Taurus, Mars is in Aquarius until mid-November, casting a glow on your 10th house. It is, however, in retrograde this week. I don't need to tell you what that means. Gemini, Mercury will make your life difficult in unforeseen and obscure ways this week. You might feel like you're losing your mind. By the way, I'm talking about the chemical, not the planet. These, these horoscopes <laughs> seem a little weird. Yeah, they do seem odd, but uh, I, please continue. Yeah, sure. Uh, cancer. Oh, great. Another week with Mars in retrograde. Guess you should just stay in bed and not even try this week. Call in sick and blame the gibbous moon or whatever. That is fantastic advice, okay, to be okay. honest. I think so, too. Uh, Leo. Venus is in prime position this week, and you know what they say about Venus. She's covered in a toxic atmosphere... She has a surface temperature hot enough to melt lead, and she's 261 million kilometers away. Why does that remind you of your mother? God, okay. Mm. Um, Virgo, we we in astrology don't really take enough time to talk about Uranus. Well, Virgo, lucky you. This week is all about Uranus. Uranus will be in an open position, so get ready to take on anything life shoves at you. (laughs) That seems... That seems like... Is that like a joke or something? I don't know. It seems like a thinly veiled uh, bit of sexual innuendo. I'm not sure I can trust this astrologer anymore. Okay, but let's let's push through. Uh, Libra. Ooh, this one's, this one's for me. <laughs> oh, you Libra. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Pluto told me to tell you that Saturn told him that word around the solar system is that you are doing super great, sweetie. Aww. Keep it up. Thank well, you, the nice. solar system. Uh, did you hear that Pluto okay, is now co- officially a planet again? So, thank you, Pluto. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, luckily nothing about Uranus in that one. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's the way I like it. Scorpio. Oh, no. You're going to die this week. But don't waste time feeling sorry for yourself. Feel sorry for the rest of us having to deal with the demographic crisis of a 12th of a population suddenly dropping dead. What a mess. Oh. Jesus. Okay. Um, That's a little... That's some Nostradamus shit right there, but, you know, like a hundred percent clearer. Yeah, I mean, it just comes right out and says it. Yeah. Sagittarius, this one just says, uh, I'm going to try and read it. Uh, I'm not sure what that's about. Hmm. Capricorn, that's me. I'm a Capricorn. Okay. Um, uh, This one says, okay, we get it. You're half goat and half fish. That doesn't exempt you from getting a job and making a damn contribution around here. Wow. Jupiter gave you two perfectly good hooves. <laughs> that seems to be confusing, like, the star sign with the with the actual people. Okay, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Aquarius, you're going to delete as appropriate, fall down really embarrassingly in front of your co-workers, slash, lose a fight to a feral cat, slash... Drop your toothbrush in the toilet. Hmm. I guess that's not the worst one. Um, it's not death. Last one here, Pisces. He- God, these are 
fucking bizarre. Okay, this one says, Hey, fishy, 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 taps on glass. Fishy, taps on glass. Come on, fishy, looks at, look at me. Taps on glass insistently. Do something, you stupid fish. Again, I feel like it's not really very helpful, is it? That one's a little bit meta. It's like sometimes we all feel like a fish in a bowl, you know, and mm, there's always some, yeah. some asshole tapping at the glass of our peaceful little bowl uh, and disrupting our view of the world. Wow, yeah, it might be deeper than, than we thought it was. Maybe. Um, okay, I guess that's been it for this week's episode of Head in the Stars, our usual podcast that we always do every time. Every single time, that all our fans know and love. Yeah, the reason we've, we've managed to get so big. Yeah, uh, famous even, uh, some would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, jo- join us next week where we're going to be cutting open a chicken and divining its guts. Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now I guess it's wel- time to welcome everyone to our B-side podcast. Be positive. The, the positive, positive B-movie, B-movie podcast. podcast. Uh, I feel like that was pretty good. We, we said that almost at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like a second or two out of sync, but... Uh, ain't it always. Uh, but so is life, so that's fine. Welcome, my co-host, Louis. Welcome back to another... Thank you. Yet another episode of Be Positive. Thank you, co-host Fraser. Mm-hmm. And this week is a normal episode, so uh, yeah. Welcome back yeah. to normal Be Positive. And it's the one where we do the movie thing. Yeah, yeah, instead of the one where we hastily uh, cobble together something else, which is nice. <laughs> I mean, ho- hopefully this is a normal episode. Hopefully the audio doesn't like go wrong again. It was, um, it was sounding good when I checked it, which I've now started doing, which in hindsight, I should have been doing that the whole time, I guess. <laughs> but maybe, maybe. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of gung-ho with my podcasting. I'm a, I'm a podcast slinger. Yeah. Sometimes... You know, as with gunfights, sometimes your podcast misfires and it uh, yeah, man. You, blows up in your hand and you lose some fingers. Yeah, you're, you're a podcast cowboy. I'm a, I'm a podcast suburban mom. I just kind of live, laugh, love in the moment, you know, take things as they come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so actually not a, not a great combination for actually successfully making podcasts. Uh, and yet here we are successfully making podcasts. My God. aren't we the contradiction Um, of the year uh, talking about things going horribly wrong uh, this week's film is Sabretooth oh that's my Sabretooth sound it it wasn't right it was bad let me try again I'm going to try again I'm going to see was that better That's, that's a lot better I think maybe better than in the film, Sabretooth. Maybe, maybe. They should hire me for the sequel. Let me try again. <laughs> no, no, that's just two cats fucking. Oops. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to see if I can uh, breeze through Sabretooth's plot synopsis. I mean, it's a pretty complex plot. I, it is difficult, but I'm going to see if I can do it in three sentences or less. Oh, okay. Okay, here we go. Uh, some kind of scientific institution has genetically 
coated saber-tooth jeans and have created a saber-tooth tiger, a real one, and they are transporting it to their funder's place. Mm. It's never said. But the truck with the saber-tooth tiger in overturns and it gets loose. Yes. Meanwhile, uh, five campers are out in the woods learning how to become camp guider guides guides yes and a bloody war ensues between the three parties in the film the saber tooth the scientists and our campers okay most people die yes that's it that's uh that's my plot synopsis oh great yeah um most people die and the cat dies too Sad face. The cat dies in the end, yes. Uh, I do want to say one thing about the truck overturning. The reason why the truck overturns is the driver falls asleep and crashes. And that would not happen with those damn AI trucks that they're bringing in. They're coming to take our jobs. (laughs) We can't fall asleep at the wheel no more. Take our jobs. Yeah, AI is a real menace to the ancient creature transport business. It really is. (laughs) <laughs> so I understand you have some special connection to this film. There's a reason why we're doing this. Yeah, film. yeah. When I was a kid, I used to always watch B movies with my friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll, I mean, you'll remember that. Lady. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were one of said <laughs> yeah. friends watching B movies with me. And the one day, I think it was in June or something. One of my buddies back home. Uh, we were 14. This was in 2004. He met a dude Mm -hmm. much older than himself in a parking lot. And this dude was like, hey, kid, you want to buy some uh, DVDs? And my friend, of course, was like, yes, I want to buy some DVDs. So for 200 Rand, he got a box chock full of pirated DVDs. I'm a little disappointed that the the salesman here didn't have them in like specially sewn pockets on the inside of a trench coat yeah it would have been better but this was like out of the the boot the trunk of his car so it's uh, also i mean great. it's just as dodgy still great still yeah great. yeah and I, when i say this box was full of dvds i mean there was like more than 100 dvds in there because it was it wasn't like a dvd case this was so, so pirated, it only yeah. came in one of those plastic sleeves. Oh, God. Okay, and, that's, and the, that's the street stuff. Yeah, it's like street quality. So we, he phoned me up. He was like, dude, I got all these movies. You got to come. We got to watch some movies. Come over. Let's see what we got. And among these films, like we were going through his whole collection that he had just stumbled upon. And one of the things that immediately, immediately stood out to me was this little gem called Sabretooth. So you got Sabretooth pretty much hot off the presses? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, when, when, when was it, it made? What year was it made? Uh, Sabretooth is a 2002 film. So uh, okay, so not... It was like two years old, but it's not the kind of film that was intended to be released uh, on DVD. Really? Yeah. It was. I, I would think that it is exactly the kind of film that was intended to be released. Uh, no, it's made for TV. So it was only made to be broadcast as... Uh, uh... Yeah. As it turns out, now that I've watched it again, we watched like a pre-effects version of this. Really? It was spec 
spectacularly bad. Uh, and that's where that's why I put it on the list. And when it came up, I was like, oh, my God, we we're doing this. This is literally the best thing that could have happened to me. It, it, I got a flood of nostalgia. I remember lovingly referring to the film as saber tooths because because he's got two teeth mm -hmm. and that's true man there's just so much in this to talk about so uh <laughs> so how did this film hold up for you after so many years and also with the fact that you saw it without effects we need to talk about that yeah so <laughs> One of the big things is in the scene where Leon Tingle, the I hate to say it, but he's Leon the soldier, the soldier. Yeah. But I guess he's the token black guy. I don't know. Um, yeah. These films. No, he absolutely is. When Leon dies, he's having a battle with the Sabretooth because about yeah. three quarters of the way through the film, it's established that Leon likes knives and he also has... He loves knives. A lot of knives, like big ass knives. And he's got this big flip knife about the mm. length of, uh, you know, like a baby. I don't know why I'm measuring my knives on the scale of babies, but he flips open this thing. And it's he's a standard like, unit of measurement. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, mm, here you are, my wife. I guess he's married to the knife. And he kisses it and it's real sweet. And he pulls out his other big but less big knife. And he's like, this is my war. <laughs> this is my war. And he jumps down and he's like, I'm going to kill the saber-toothed tiger in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Um, yeah. And then the saber-toothed tiger hops up and they proceed to have a full-on sword fight. Like, Leon, uh, instead of trying to kill the beast with his knives is more just experiencing the childlike glee of smacking knives together to get that shling shling sound. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's just chopping at this thing's teeth. Maybe he wants to chop off the teeth, but who knows? Well, that's the thing. It's called a saber tooth. A saber is a kind of sword, so it, it makes sense. So Leon was actually just right? thinking out of the box. He was. He was thinking uh, etymologically. Yeah. And in it, <laughs> which is never a bad thing, except in a straightforward <laughs> survival situation. There you should be thinking, yeah. how can I put this big knife inside that big kitten? Because remember, <laughs> this cat is only six months old and they put it on like some cat growth hormone or some shit that just made it. It's yeah, definitely some shit Lance Armstrong was using. Definitely. Uh, and, you know, it wouldn't grow back his testicles, but it would make your cat. But he did grow really big teeth. He did. Weird. <laughs> I remember that, that one Tour de France where uh, he only won <laughs> by killing his competitors with a swift bite to the throat with his saber-like canine. We all remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was a great time. So It's one of the things he apologized to, to Oprah uh, apologize for to Oprah. And you know, similar to thoughts and prayers, an apology to Oprah is all you need. That's your, you're okay. It's an apology to the world. Yeah, because she yeah. represents all of us. She, <laughs> so she's like the secular pope. <laughs> Sorry, I'm she getting kind of very sidetracked. Yeah, you're, 
You might be a little bit obsessed with Oprah. But anyway, uh, so Leon fights this thing. And the way he dies is the saber tooth just kind of puts its paw up against his chest and pushes him up against the wall. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. the funny thing is that the claws we see on the saber tooth wouldn't be long enough to actually pierce deep enough into his chest to kill him. But somehow this gentle shove does kill Leon. Yeah. Uh, turns out he's not as as much of a warrior as he thought, or maybe they ran out of uh, effects budget. Yeah. I don't know. But the version I saw was <laughs> the paw hits him, the paw goes away, and literally like an MS Paint effect, just these little squiggly red lines, ah. bright red lines are drawn on his chest. And you see how they're like... No, it was so. No, but I now I'm starting to wonder because the version I saw doesn't sound much different from that. The version I saw had like blood effects. The the newer the the one you saw now. Yeah, yeah, the one I saw now. The the original one I saw was literally like I could do it in MS Paint, is what I'm saying. It's it looks okay, like when you wow, take the okay. little brush tool and you just like draw a little squiggly line with your mouse. Uh, so it's it's kind of terrible, but yeah. that was hilarious when I saw we, it. Because I think we need to be clear here, like, they didn't make much of an improvement. Oh, in, no. In the final. But I mean, I was watching this whole movie just for that one scene, and I was disappointed. Uh, never... Yeah. It's like they say, never meet your heroes, because yeah. they are no longer... MS Paint used as special effects. Did it scrape off the the nostalgic sheen of your of your memories of the film? Uh, it did to a certain extent because in one way I watched the film sober, and in another way, being a child mm. is like being intoxicated. So there's you know everything sort of toned down as an adult. So again, uh, <laughs> I wasn't roaring with laughter, for instance throughout the yeah. whole thing but uh i did enjoy watching it a, there were some things that i missed out on as a kid that i picked up on now like one of the characters anthony the i guess the the uh evil pavarotti the, yeah evil pavarotti. the money man for the science experiment yeah 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 he at one point says i hate the poor and that's like a direct quote like he's talking <laughs> he meets this woman this researcher he says it to someone yeah yeah he meets this researcher uh, all right so let me set it up a little bit first catherine is the head of the project that brought back this saber-toothed monstrosity yeah she works for science frontiers which is owned by anthony so she goes to anthony's lodge or uh, cabin or whatever. He just calls it his house. Um, so I think that's literally where he lives. Yeah, well, it's like, like a log cabin, but like really spacious and luxurious. Yeah. And yeah. she's telling him about this thing and he doesn't actually seem to know what his company does, but she sells him on it and he gets excited. He's like, we're going to make a lot of money. Uh, like we're, we're going to make... He says he's going to become president. Which is... Um, um, that's funny because... Back then, just being super rich wouldn't really qualify you to be president. Yeah. My, how but things have changed. I guess. Sort of it would. <laughs> yeah, and in some way, Sabretooth is a, a desperate portent of the future. Which is weird how that works out. 
kind of like that episode of The Simpsons. But uh, so Catherine's assistant shows up. Her name is Kara. Kara. Um, Kara. Yeah. All right. So Kara shows up, and Anthony does not know this woman at all, and immediately he doesn't like her. It's like no. he can smell. He can smell that she's not bourgeoisie. You know, there's like a scent you get. Yeah, it's because she's she's wearing sneakers, so she must be poor. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she probably doesn't uh, bathe by rubbing money on her body, which is how (laughs) I assume Anthony bathes. But they decide they have to capture the saber tooth and they call in a professional hunter named Thatcher. 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 My boy. Thatcher, Thatcher. So they the, tell Thatcher the that they lost a full-grown African lion. And Thatcher is just like, you can see in his face, he's like, man, I wish money didn't equal power because these people are fucking idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have you done? Like, these fuckers suck at being rich. Yeah. What is wrong with you? So Thatcher comes in and he's sold on his thing and he takes them out. Uh, and he's sort of leading their, their party as he's the one with the guns and the hat, and the survival skills, and the know-how. And the any abilities at all. Yeah. yeah. And then he gives Anthony a backpack and walks off, and Anthony kind of gets sassed by Kara, and he, he just offhandedly is like, oh, I hate the poor, uh, which is typical bourgeois yeah. bullshit. Uh, and I feel like yeah, absolutely. it's a very common sentiment in the world today. Yeah, and even... You know, even if it isn't expressed as directly, a lot of what the rich do, you know, they, they speak through their actions. They say, I hate the poor. So it was quite refreshing to actually see a rich person just come right out and, and say it. The funny thing is that Anthony is not the biggest asshole in this film. No. He has more humanity than Catherine, who is a straight up psychopath. Yeah, Catherine is a very interesting case. I I mean, I don't know if it's... Have we done enough foreplay to get into the serious philosophy stuff yet? I feel like uh, I've been fluffed. I did a, I did a bit. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> you know? Um, my, okay, great. I mean, the, the humidity in Nanning at the moment is around 99%. So I'm moist. Okay, ooh. So let's just... I, I love it. Let's uh, let's just slip into the philosophy. So, Sabretooth, this 2002 film, Sabretooth, it really, it, it, it called to mind a certain chapter from Theodore Adorno's Minima Moralia. Yeah. Um, Adorno being chiefly a, a critic of the Frankfurt School and also the philosopher I based my master's degree on. Anyway. And he was a, a cultural critic... And he has a, a little chapter in his Minima Moralia that speaks about what at the time was the recent discovery of a, um, like an intact frozen woolly mammoth. And of course, like the first instinct of media, scientists, and people in general is to go, oh, cool, how can we bring it back to life? Can we revive this ancient animal? Yeah. And he writes of this, the desire for the presence of the most ancient is a hope that animal creation might survive the wrong that man has done it, if not man himself, and give rise to a better species, 
one that finally makes a success of life. Hmm. So I feel like Catherine really embodies that desire. To her, the lives of any other human is not nearly as important as the the life of her saber tooth. Yeah, and even her own life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She seems, you know, at first glance, like a complete crazy lady because she's both like sociopathic, but she also doesn't care about her own life, as you said. Yeah. You know, it makes a lot more sense in the light of this Adorno quote that to her the goal is to, in a sense, redeem humanity. So for her, the picture is much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And there's... um. I mean, the, basically what we're talking about here is de-extinction, which has recently become more of a reality and more of a possibility. And yeah. a, a common criticism about the, the science of de-extinction is that it's going to take attention and resources away from preventing further extinction by pumping resources into uh, yeah. bringing back, say, the woolly mammoth or the Smilodon, uh, you know, saber-toothed tiger, or any number of these extinct beasts, people feel like this would be fixing things, for instance, w- instead of trying to stop yeah. the ongoing destruction of nature. And you try and make a space where the natural world can coexist with the human world. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's almost as if like we as humans have now gained control over all of nature. Where do we go next? We can only go even like into the past to control that nature as well. Yeah. And just on a, on a practical scale, it's ridiculous. What the fuck? Into what ecosystem are you going to introduce woolly mammoths in this day and age? Well, uh, I actually have the answer for you. And um, the reasoning behind the reintroduction of the woolly mammoth. So where they want to place the woolly mammoth would be in Siberia on the Siberian tundra. And the reason for this okay. is uh, it is actually quite involved. And I'm going to quote like a different case just to make the case for the reintroduction of these Pleistocene animals back into the Siberian wilderness which is pretty barren as we all know it's mainly one big gulag so not the best place we i mean we like to refer to them as holiday camps but yes go on on. okay uh i guess you do like to refer to them as holiday camps i kind of like gulag because it sounds like galoshes which is a kind of squishy boot Mm. and uh that's nice i i like it because it sounds like a goulash Oh, yeah. Uh, Just a delicious meat dish. Mm. So the reason why or the reasoning behind the reintroduction of the mammoth into Siberian tundra comes a lot from the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone National Park, where I forget what year exactly, but the U.S. government, they noticed that the deer population in Yellowstone was dwindling and they wanted to increase the deer population. And instead of... Uh, limiting hunting on the deer population they said you know what we should do we should kill all the wolves basically genocide the wolves and they did this and uh great at first the ecosystem was okay it was still kind of stable and the deer population did increase yes but the big issue came in that the deers now had no reason to keep moving 
So they would stay in one place and just devour everything in that place, making sections of the park barren Ooh. before moving on. They would also devour little saplings of trees, basically blocking reforestation. And like, yeah, that in turn affected the beaver population. And, you know, the beavers started dying. And when the beavers couldn't build dams because there was no, no wood around, no new trees for them to buy, to chew uh, or to, I want to say chop down, but I know they don't actually have tiny axes. Even that's how I imagine beavers. Uh, uh, ch- chomp down. Chomp down the trees. Uh, so a lot of small rodents and birds also didn't have that habitat of the dams to live in. So those rodents were more uh, exposed. Sure. Then the coyote population boomed because now there's no apex predator to keep them in check. So the small rodents really got messed up and also their population started going down. So what we had was um, a lot of plant life going away. The rivers actually changed their course because of less plant life. The rivers started meandering more and there was a lot more erosion. Yeah, so your your classic knock-on disaster yeah kind of the butterfly effect uh so then also bear all the scavengers bears eagles vultures everything suffered because now there was no main producer of fresh corpses in yellowstone like a a bear would be able to kill something itself but then i guess the success rate of bears hunting is much lower than wolves so you know it, it sort of leads to uh less bears Then there was the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone and the effect was almost immediate and the whole ecosystem was boosted. The park went from becoming this sort of barren space to the lush greenery in a few years. Uh, You know, the deer population stabilized, the coyote population went down because the wolves were killing them, Uh, the scavenger population went up, the beavers did better. The rivers changed their course and there's less meandering. Now, meandering is when the river actually changes its course because of erosion. Uh, So that happened less. The trees came back. Everything was great. And the park is a much healthier ecosystem now because of that. And to bring it back to the woolly mammoth, which is what they want to bring back, the Siberian tundra is very barren. But there are plants that relied or a lot of like flora that relied on the woolly mammoth for whatever reason. And back in the day, in the the time of the woolly mammoth, the Siberian tundra was more habitable. So the thinking is by reintroducing these animals into that barren space, they could kickstart that uh, ecosystem once again. So that's the thinking. Now, my my question is then, like, are the other parts of that ecosystem still there? Are they going to be kickstarting the same ecosystem or I guess just like similar plants and things? Yeah. So the nice thing about de-extinction is you can also like you could uh, de-extinct woolly mammoth. You can de-extinct plants as well. So they would then re-engineer these plants, bring them back into the environment and then let this have a knock-on effect because Siberia is a very harsh place and you need hardy plant plant life and stuff to make it lush. Yeah. Uh, and when the mammoth disappeared, the plant life disappeared and it, the mammoth disappeared largely because of human intervention. I know another animal that they want to bring back is the woolly rhino for a very similar reason. I don't think anyone okay. wants to bring back the saber-toothed tiger, 
because they're scary. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So it's it's kind yeah. of like um, terraforming a region that became barren like ten thousand years ago because of human intervention and it yeah it would be a proof of concept to bring back other animals i know the dodo is pretty high up on the list the thylacine the tasmanian tiger uh, is also high up on the list we maybe need to focus on the more recent extinctions first Uh, yeah yeah like the dodo the thylacine stuff that were almost within living memory you know quaha yeah i know the quaha is on there uh, one thing that, that I know is probably the first thing that they want to bring back is the gastric brooding frog, which is a, of course. a frog that lays its eggs within its own stomach and the eggs hatch and then the mommy frog pukes up the babies. Ugh. I don't know why they want to bring that back. That sounds like nightmare, nightmare material. But that's, that's the thing. Usually the most important animals are the least showy ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know a lot of environmentalists, for example, are kind of critical of World Wildlife Foundation using the panda as their logo because pandas, in the grand scheme of things, matter less um, than some other species. Yeah. Like, I know for a fact that the pandas are no longer endangered. They're now only at risk, largely thanks okay. to Pornhub. We did it, folks. We did it? I mean, por- we did Pornhub. It. Pornhub did a big job. Um, yeah, but but we as in humanity. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the people who got dressed in panda suits and pretended to have panda sex so that the pandas would get turned on. And it worked, which is, to me, that that's peak science. That's that's real science. None of this labs and, and test tube shit. No, put on a furry suit and hump for pandas. Get Do it for the pandas. Get Yiffin for panda. How how are we gonna use um, an internet subculture to keep the bees alive? Uh, I don't know if furries are gonna be useful for that one. Yeah, I don't know. Bees, they don't watch YouTube videos. I don't know. Well, I mean, France has recently banned all five pesticides that are harmful to bees. End of August, basically. That's exciting. Oh. It's a big step for Europe. Uh, I feel like we've Let's hope that works. We've uh, meandered away from Sabretooth, but... We have a bit. But wh- um, what I'm saying is that, like, this de-extinction that they're doing is, in my personal opinion, it's largely a good thing, but mm. it has to be done right, and it has to be done for the right reasons. I feel like it's done usually, and the way that Catherine in the film does it, it's working on your own personal guilt feelings, which that's not the right way to do it. Yeah. I don't think Catherine and Anthony have a similar, like, reintroduction plan. For them, it's it's about control and about power and about money, making a lot of money. Yeah, I, we do hear that Catherine wants to win uh, the Nobel Prize for this. And of course. Um, Anthony wants to become yeah, president. So it's, so it's status. She's doing it for legacy. Anthony is doing it to get rich. That's what he wants. That's his big thing. That's usually what rich people want is to get more money. It's like it becomes their main drive. Mm. Yeah, it's it's just pure accumulation. Yeah, beyond the point of it even making sense anymore because, you know, at some point it becomes tough to spend so much yeah. money. And, and that is a problem that the super wealthy have is like... They have too much money. They, it's impossible to spend, and there aren't that many 
gigantic purchases you can make. Yeah. And so they just buy a fucking shit ton of, of assets and collect them, I guess. Like, what the fuck do you do with five mansions, Elon Musk? Yeah, it's... You, you need one mansion, you, max. You don't even need one mansion. I mean... No, you don't. I've got a three-bedroom apartment. I mean, Elon Musk like fucking... He's like the world's biggest workaholic, insane person. He needs, like, actually just, like, a bachelor flat. Yeah, he ne- he's never at home Just a one-bedroom anyway. place. Yeah. But see, that's exactly that kind of drive, you know, that accumulationist drive yeah. that is causing all of this extinction in the first place. It's a, a symptom of the same problem. And again, like, the, the campers in this got Jason, who's the asthma nerd, Casey, the leader of the group, Leon Tingle, the soldier, soldier guy, uh, Lola Rodriguez, the delinquent teenage woman, and Trent, mm-hmm. not Reznor. Yeah, tr- uh, Trent the anti-Reznor, Trent the jock. Yeah, and they sort of become our cross-section of the population. Not a representative cross-section, but just... Not at all. They become the proletariat that just sort of <laughs> yeah. suffer by the wayside. Like, it's like... They're not directly being targeted by Anthony and Catherine's endeavors, but they do suffer because yeah. of it. And it's the same. This whole film is kind of a, a metaphor for the destruction of nat- of nature. Like, you know, you take away the rainforest yeah. and it's not the person who signed the paper to tear down the rainforest who's going to suffer, at least not right away. It's the people that live there and the animals mm. that live there. Yeah, absolutely. So in that way, they represent the local population being affected by these yeah. rich people just sort of playing with their money for no real reason. Um, I absolutely agree. And I think it also shows that even if you are rich and you exercise a great deal of power, you can't actually control nature, right? Like you deforest the Amazon which, like like you described, causes insane knock-on effects that will eventually come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah, Anthony doesn't survive, for instance. He Yeah, in, the, in this case, it's, the karma is a lot quicker yeah. uh, in Sabretooth. Yeah, well, it fits neatly into whatever the runtime of this film was. 90 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's like a sped-up little thing. Yeah, as you said, An- Anthony gets caught in a... Did he bring the bear traps? No, Thatcher brought the bear traps, but Anthony laid uh, the Anthony bear traps set out. them up. Yeah, and he didn't mark the trees. Yeah. He didn't follow procedures and protocols again, trying to find the easiest way to his goal. And it ended up destroying his leg and crippling him right before a Smilodon Fatalis ate him. I actually want to talk about that scene because Anthony is a big yep. boy, right? He's a large, a large child. And when Smiley, as I call the saber-toothed tiger, uh, because of Smilodon, sure. when Smiley starts eating him, Catherine and Thatcher run away, realize they don't have their guns, run back. Now, this seems like it takes maybe a minute. They get back, and there's, like, nothing left of Anthony. So that cat yeah. eats super fast, and... And he eats, like, a lot. Yeah, he does eat a lot. But like they said, he's, his metabolism has been sped up so that he reaches maturity in six months. So what I'm guessing is he's uh, sort of like sure. a flash. 
where the flesh needs to constantly be eating because he's burning so many calories. But then this <laughs> saber-toothed tiger also is aware of that and just keeps chowing people. Yeah, he needs to. He needs the en extra energy to eat extra people because he needs the extra energy to eat extra people. Yeah, it's a it's a vicious cycle. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to say. Anything you? want to add the only like vaguely interesting thing that happens with any of the characters is that thatcher uh, goes from anti-hero to hero hero and at the very end he's the one who uh, sticks it to the saber tooth yeah he legitimately wants to help everyone get out of there there is a lot of leaving people to die or not even thinking yeah. <laughs> twice about someone who just died. Like Catherine, Ooh. I mean, she's crazy, but a dying woman grabs at her leg and Catherine's just like, ew, get off of me. And she kicks this... Ew, get off. Yeah. Kicks this woman <laughs> away and then just walks away like nothing happened. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. And that was like directly after the I hate poor people um, line as well. Yeah, yeah. It was so perfect. And then like after Leon dies, Casey and Trent show no remorse that their companion has died. And in no. fact, once Sabretooth is dead, they walk away and Trent it's just cracking jokes and they're all laughing and happy and like yeah man it's not like five people just got brutally mauled and eaten no seven people got brutally mauled and eaten by <laughs> a saber-toothed yeah. tiger not no it's fine everything's chill um i had i had something else to add to uh, the scene where leon dies before his big sword fight a moment maybe of a brilliant filmic subversion of expectations where the couple, uh, you know, uh, Trent and Casey are in the cave. They're kind of trying to attract the Sabretooth's tension because Leon is standing on a some kind of hill or rock or something off to the side. And it seemed from everything that was leading into it that the plan here was to distract the Sabretooth and Leon jumps in behind, gets that backstab insta-kill. Yeah. But then he just jumps in front of the thing and he ruins his whole surprise thing. Yeah, that I was thought happening. he was going to jump onto the saber tooth and just sort of double stab it. Oh, that would have been lit. But um, unfortunately, he does not have a tactical mind. Yeah, if, if we had to read it as a character moment, it's kind of it's Leon not being a coward, you know, giving that saber tooth a fair chance to impale him on his giant claw. I feel like the saber tooth already has a fair chance in all situations just by virtue of being a really big apex predator. Yeah, sure. But Leon has two knives. So yeah, so does the saber tooth. Exactly. So they're perfectly equally matched and then right? it's got like five giant knives on each foot <laughs> yeah leon leon forgot to count those knives yeah it's funny also how like i don't know if you picked up on this but oh, the size ratio of the saber tooth keeps changing throughout the film like at one point it's like yeah. twice the size of a person then it's a little bit smaller than a person <laughs> it like keeps changing it's like they don't really Whoever animated this thing wasn't really looking at no. size ratios. It was just like, okay, this thing goes here. Okay, it looks great. Fine. Next scene. This thing goes here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the CGI 
the fucking thing looks atrocious. Yeah, no, it is uh, proper bad. It, it's almost like a, a blurry photo of a cryptid come to life, in a sense. It is. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah. Because it's, it's blurry. It's never really, like, super in focus. It's almost like you can't look directly at it. Like, you, you'll go blind. <laughs> and, and we did. We did go blind. Yes, we did. We are now blind. We went blind for... Podcasting? Science. The science of podcasting. Yeah. A little fun fact. There's a scene where the guy who's transporting the saber tooth stops for gas. Um, and they have a sort of hills have eyes, hillbilly duo uh, manning the gas pumps. And one of them is clearly meant to be like a pretty offensive stereotype of a mentally disabled person. Yes. Very offensive. And that character is played by none other than the director of the film. Oh, that's... So I don't know what that says. That's interesting. Uh, It could say many things, but I think it says that he at least takes ownership of his bigotry. You know, he's like, if I'm going to have this character and be awful... I'm going to be that awful character and everyone will know it, mm. that it was me. Yeah, he really put himself on the line there. Yeah. Like Leon jumping in front of the saber tooth. Yeah, um, just like that. And the, and the only thing that's ever said about that char- character is by the other petrol station attendant. And he says, he don't speak, which is... Maybe maybe we can say that's like a, a death of the author kind of thing. Like... Uh, not gonna say anything folks you just interpret this movie however you like yeah i mean if you want to read it that way it it makes a lot more sense um i guess he could have just played the part of a mute person but i guess that's his art um and and what a uh, what a work of art it is yeah so the very last thing that i want to point out is right at the beginning of the film we meet trent and leon and Leon is holding wooden boards for Trent to kick through. Now, I want to say a few things about this. As someone who has done quite a lot of martial arts and broken quite a few boards in my time. Uh-huh. First of all, Trent says it takes years of training to do this. Now, it does not necessarily take that much training. If you're really strong, you can punch through things. It does take years of training that not to sense. hurt yourself while you do it. Then second of all... His technique is really shit. Like, he would definitely break his ankle if he were trying to (laughs) actually kick through that board. And the last thing is, uh, when I was young, we paused it right on the second where he breaks his board. And before his foot hits the board, you can see it's already broken. Uh. Leon is already (laughs) snapping it or, like, moving it away from the foot, the incoming foot. Leon. So... It's such a dead giveaway. It's just like, whoa, that's really poorly done. <laughs> and also, there's no reason for it in the film. There's no reason for it. It establishes wow. Trent as a dude that does martial arts, but then that doesn't come up ever again. Like, why? Why? That doesn't really enter into He kicks the gun out of Catherine's hand or something. Oh, yeah, he does. But then that just gets them into a deeper mess. Yeah, he I gets think, shot. As far as I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. So they do, it does come up again. <laughs> And it's sort of a warning to martial artists that the gun always wins. Yeah. All right. So, Louis, I would mm-hmm. like you to rate this film out of one to seven casually discarded human lives. 
how <laughs> many die, dead or dying people would you uh, nonchalantly abandon for this film? Um, you know, I'm I'm gonna give my first zero rating on this show. I think it's my first. Wow, that is. Uh, I'm sure. I it would. Is your first. I would not. Yeah, I will not callously discard any lives for this film. For other films, perhaps, <laughs> but not for this one. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. I would. I would discard one life callously and that life is my inner child and it died watching this film r.i.p r.i.p young fraser uh young fraser at least i'm still young and i will be forever (laughs) (laughs) thanks to modern science and the extinction no uh all right so i guess that's been our episode on sabertooth it marks one of the first nostalgisodes for me uh, which is nice. Mm. Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely get to some more of those. Oh yeah, big time. We have one more episode left before we get to our Halloween special edition, uh, which is Spooky. gonna be three to four episodes long. And mm-hmm. is it too soon to announce the theme? Maybe it's too soon to announce the theme. No. No, I don't think so. All right. Halloween is going to be Werewolf Appreciation Month. Right. For the whole of October. Just our friendly lupine boys or, getting uh, furry and biting stuff. Or lupine girls or yes. non-binary lupine. Lupines beyond the... Yeah. 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 All of the lupines are Are there welcome. any movies? What, with non-binary lupines? Yeah, I'll have to check that Tumblr. Cool. <laughs> of course. Um, um, as always, you can check us out on Facebook at Stay Scary, uh, Twitter mm-hmm. also at Stay Scary. I am Fraser Chonji on Twitter, mm-hmm. although I'm mainly on the Be Positive page on Twitter. And also, I guess you could find me on Instagram. I'm Fraser Chonji on Instagram. I do some expat life stuff. I guess whatever. Yeah. And where can we you find take some pictures. you, Louis? Yeah, yeah. You can hit me up on Instagram, Louis Ru. Um, and I'm I'm also you know keeping an eye on the Facebook page and the Facebook group. So I'm around. And you know, reach out to us. We're always reaching out to you. And it's like just a little bit of human contact will be nice. You know, validate. Please just take our hands. Take our sweaty, grimy little podcaster hands. And just hold them for one yeah. second. That'll be nice. Uh, and then, Louis, next time. Yes. On Be Positive. Mm. Okay, I'm ready. Hit me. We're watching Creep Show. Creep Show. I don't. I don't know what that you is. You don't know what Creep Show is? It's a classic. Definitely, no. everybody should go out and watch Creep Show. It's gonna. Get us in the spirit. It's uh, it's another like anthology film, five films, and it's a true classic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's from the eighties, you know, practical effects, everything. It's gonna be fantastic. Get us in the Halloween. Okay, spirit. awesome. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Then I guess you stay scary. Uh, remember, the spookiest knives are the ones in your mouth. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, because technically they're part of a skeleton, and skeletons are spooky. Yeah. Oh, I'm a skeleton. <laughs> covered in meat. Oh. oh my god. Okay, jo join us next time, folks, uh, for another episode of Be Positive. Yeah.